Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Uh, it's, it's a weird time, isn't it? I mean, maybe I'm just projecting right now, but it definitely feels like that. feels like we are finally emerging from the chrysalis that has been the last, you know, 18 months to two years. And I feel like we're just, we're starting to, you know, come out now of from the, the cave, the cocoon that we've been in, and life is going to get back to normal, as normal as it can be anyway. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to that, and I can't wait for that. But, you know, at the same time, I, I really do believe that there are people that are going to be excited. There are people that are going to be concerned. I would say absolutely there are mixed emotions from people, you know, thinking about what's going to happen in the, in the coming weeks. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but Beyond Blue did a study recently. How recent? They did it in October this year. So, you know, last month. And they surveyed uh, a lot of people to find out how they were feeling about it. And do you know, uh, just emerging out of this pandemic season that we've been in, and one quarter of those people, and this is in Victoria, one quarter of Victorians are feeling worried. It's 25% of people are feeling worried about what happens when we open up and things go back to normal, you know, masks are going to come off soon. Thank God. I'm so happy about that. But a quarter of people are worried about it. Uh, one fifth of people are struggling to just engage back in normal life. Uh, one third of people are struggling to get the motivation to do what they need to do. And so, you know, there are mixed emotions. People are feeling differently as we transition out of the season that we've been in. And what do you do with all of those emotions? What do you do with your feelings? How do you handle it? I mean, they're there. They've, they, I'm sure they feel very real, but what do you do with it? And I want to just make this point that what, rules your mind will run your life. What rules your mind will run your life. And so I want to share a message with you today. The title of my message is The Spirit You Carry. And I think that this is, this is a timely message. There is a very specific reason why I'm going to preach this message at this point. It's because I think that we need to hear it. And I want to begin by reading a scripture to you today. This is a well-known scripture to me. In fact, when I was growing up, my dad would constantly repeat this scripture to me and always said it got in my mind. I want to read it to you out of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. He says, For this reason I remind you, to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. This is Paul the Apostle writing to his son in the faith, Timothy. And he's saying, come on, fan that flame and, and, and start to use that gift, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. He says in verse 7, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear. In the Greek, that word is deliah. And not the liar, the liar. And it means cowardice. It means timidity. It means fear caused by a lack of moral strength. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. The spirit that you carry directly impacts your calling, your ministry, and your life. And I would add, it changes not just what happens, but how it happens. 
It, it changes the quality of life that you experience. And in this scripture that we read today, the Apostle Paul is writing to his son, spiritual son, Timothy. And he's writing to him, and he actually writes two letters to him. In the first letter, he says to Timothy, you've got to watch out because there are people that are bringing false doctrine into the church. They're saying things that aren't true, and you're going to have to go to war with these people. And in the second letter, it's a really personal letter. Paul the Apostle is writing this from Rome. He knows that he's going to be beheaded for his faith, or he's going to die for his faith. And so because of that, these are the last words from a spiritual father to a spiritual son. How many of us would know that last words matter? I'm certain of this, that the Apostle Paul chose his words carefully, that the, this heartfelt letter written not to everyone, although there's, I mean, we call it scripture because it's applicable to everything and that has to do with church, but he wrote it specifically to his spiritual son because he wanted him to understand some things. These are his last words and the sentiments of the letter are really, Tim, you gotta be faithful. You know, you're going to have stuff that will come against you, but you've got to be faithful. You're going to have to be faithful no matter what you face, no matter what opposition comes against you. Some of it's going to be physical. Some of it might be spiritual, but whatever you do, you've got to be faithful. And he's really writing this letter to Timothy, who's a young guy, by the way, in his mid-30s. He is leading probably the largest church of his day, a church in Ephesus, huge city. And, and he's leading this large church. And here he is writing to Timothy because he's, he's worried about him because Tim is full of fear. There's fear in his life. There's fear and intrepidation. And, and, you know, Paul the Apostle says, you can't live like that. You know, this isn't the spirit that God gave you. He says, you've got you to fan this thing into flame. So in one sense, I, I try to think about that. What is it? Maybe it's just like a little flicker. You know, like it's just a small flame. Or maybe, it's, maybe it's nearly out. I don't know, right? But he says, you've got to, you got to start to breathe some life onto this thing, okay? You, get, you know, you've got, a, you've got a grace on your life, Tim, to do some things, right? But, but you're going to have to start to fan that thing and you're going to have to start to breathe on it, right? There are things that we can do that can breathe life into our ministry graces and calling. I, I, I think about Tim, just imagine it for a minute. He's leading probably what is the mega church of his day. There's people around him. He's young. You know, people are probably thinking maybe they deserve the role. Maybe they deserve the position. They should be there. Tim's young. What, is, what does he know? You know, and, and here he is having opposition from everywhere. And there's this tendency sometimes for people that are leaders. If you're a leader, this might be good for you, that we have to be like all things to all people. Tim's got opposition coming from everywhere. He's got to be all things to all people. Wow. I can tell you right now, as a pastor of a church, that that has never been more true than today right now. There are so many things that, that, that you know, we, we have to try to give a, a faith perspective on in fields that we're not qualified for. Not a medical practitioner. You know, I, 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 I didn't go to, to med, medical school for nine years and, and then come straight here to preach the Word of God. Guess what? That's not my background. That's not my history. You know, I feel like today, if you're a leader, you got to have a right perspective on everything. What's your perspective on politics? What's your perspective on uh, medicine? What's your perspective on this? What's your perspective on that? We've got to be all things to all people. Wouldn't it be just awesome if we could just operate inside the grace that God had actually given to us using the gifts that God had given to us and use those to, you know, play our part and play our role. But, you know, here is Tim in the middle 
of all of this, feeling like maybe he's got to give a lot of answers to different people. But let me tell you what Tim was really good at. He was really good at reading the scriptures. That's what it says. That's what the Bible says. He was great at reading the scriptures. I think we take that to mean that he had good doctrine, that he understood some things about the Word of God. He was great at exhorting. Exhortation means encouragement. So he's a great encourager of people. And the other thing that he was really great at doing, he was great at teaching. Teaching what? Well, the Word of God to be specific. So he was great. He understood doctrine. He was a great encourager. He could, uh, you know, teach the Word of God. He did all of these things. And, And these things right now, These things are at risk because there is a problem here. And the problem is he is afraid of other people's opinions. You know what we call that? We call that a fear of man. What will other people say about me? What what are they saying behind my back? I wonder what the the gossip is happening. I wonder what backstabbing is happening. You know, and as, as a church leader, he probably shouldn't have to deal with this, but he is dealing with it, right? And here's the issue. It is stopping his grace from becoming a gift. It's stopping His grace from becoming a gift. So you know how grace works, right? So when we operate in grace, God has a grace for us. It means that in the space that is our grace, we can move freely and do things that would be difficult for other people. There's a grace, but you know what? That grace becomes a gift to others when you use it. Now, don't get me wrong, it's still a gift from God. It's a, we call that gift His grace on our life, but it only becomes a gift to other people when we start to use it. You, you, you just think about this for a moment. Seriously, come with me now. Let, let's just think about this. You read the Scriptures and look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. They talk about spiritual gifts. And there's all these different ty- kinds of gifts. And what does it say? But that the gifts are a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All right, so let's understand that for a moment. The word manifest means to make something plain and obvious. In other words, when someone is filled with the Spirit of God, it's going to be obvious to us. You couldn't do that unless you were, had the grace of God on your life. It's quite obvious that God walks with you. The manifestation of the Spirit, right, the Holy Spirit is for, what's the purpose of it? For the common good. That means that when we get graces and gifts, they're not there just for us. No, no, no. We're meant to be using these things to bless the people that are around us. Think about it. If you had the gift of healing and you never pray for anyone to be healed, yeah, sure, you might have the grace of healing on your life, but it's not a gift to anyone. If you've got the grace for wisdom, things just make sense to you. You don't have to study every field, but you're just great at putting words together and you're wise in how you approach things. And wow, that, that grace of wisdom is amazing in your life. But if you never share it with anyone, it's not a gift. You've got the grace. You're just not making it a gift. Gifts are what we give. We present them to other people. And the more you think about it, it starts to make sense. You know, out of all the miracles, out of all the spiritual gifts, I think the one that I would want most is the working of miracles. Because it feels very expansive. I just, I do miracles. What's your gift? Miracles. That's what I do. I, I do the impossible. You know, I mean, it's God through me, sure, but miracles. That's my gift. Um, and I would just love to work miracles in other people's life. But you know what? If you, never, if you never stepped out of your front door, if you never laid hands on, if you didn't get involved in people's lives, if you barricade yourself in, if you live in fear and in trepidation, guess what? You might have the grace of miracles, but it's not a gift to anyone. 
You're just keeping it all to yourself. See, there's a thing that we need to understand. The spirit that you carry is manifested. It's obvious. It's obvious when people are filled with fear. It's obvious when people are concerned and worried. It's obvious when people are filled with the Spirit of God. It just becomes more obvious. You know, when I remember when I was a kid, um, you know, growing up and going to school, they, they did these education programs because, you know, we are in Australia and stuff can bite you and kill you here, you know. So they, we did this course, it was called Deadly Australians. We all had to sit down and watch this video. And in the video, I remember seeing a, a spider crawl into a man's shoe. It was a reenactment, thank God. And, and the spider crawls into a man's shoe. He, he puts his shoe on and, and then, you know, his, his face is all in pain and he takes his shoe off. The spider crawls away, right? Yeah, well, I was seven and that, that affects a seven-year-old. So I started to think about it. I thought, well, you know what? I just reckon just as a safety precaution, I should just tap the heel of my shoe. Let's just make sure there's nothing in there. And I started doing that when I was seven years old. I'm 40 right now, and maybe it's just a habit, but I still do it. Just give it a little tap, right? Now I figure, what does it take me? Five seconds to tap my shoes? Sure, but that's time well spent, okay? I did the maths. I added it up. It's about, it's going to take me about, if I add it up over my life, I will tap shoes for about 40 hours, right? That's a full working week of me just tapping my shoes. Is it a waste? No, because I'm not going to be bitten by anything, you know? So, 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 okay, so I don't really worry about spiders or anything like that. But I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, right? I've developed a pattern in my life and it's really easy for people to do this. We, we get our fears out of order all the time and they put patterns in our life. You know, I was in the car, it was just last week and on the radio they were talking about um, spiders and snakes and these things and they were saying, which one is worse? You know, so I, I, I'm taking the kids to school and I said, hey guys, which one do you think is worse? And they're like, oh, well, you know, snakes, they, they, they you know, they're, they're bad, but we don't really see snakes. Uh, probably astonishing to people overseas. I've hardly ever seen a snake in Australia. I have seen a couple, right? But, but they're not lurking everywhere. And so, you know, they're like, ah, oh, snakes are bad, but you don't really see them. And the spiders, they're creepy and they're everywhere. And they are. They're absolutely everywhere. We find them everywhere. And so I said, well, you know, what, what do you think? They're like, well, spiders have got eight legs, eight eyes. You know, I don't know about that, right? And, and, we, and we're, you know, talking. You know, the more you talk about this stuff, you kind of creep yourself out. We're kind of getting creeped out in the way. But you know what? The truth is, our, our fears are totally out of order. Because let me just ask you a question. How many people do you know that have ever actually died from a spider bite? None. Do you know anybody that's died from a snake bite? I bet you don't know anyone that's died from a snake bite. Do you know what we really should have been worried about? Getting into the car and just driving to school because lots of accidents happen in the car. If we were actually familiar with what happens on the roads and we put our fears in order, we should be more about worried about the car than we should be about dying from snake bites and spider bites and all the rest of it. Guess what? We got our fears out of order. And we're worried about the wrong stuff sometimes. Do you know the studies have revealed, that, and this I'll admit, this is before coronavirus, okay, sure, but studies have revealed that the number one fear that people have, public speaking. That's right. What's the number two fear? Death. And I have always found this outrageous. People are actually more afraid of getting up and speaking in front of people than they are of dying. That means if you were to go to a funeral, if you are on your way to a funeral, you would be better off in the casket than you would be giving the eulogy. And I just think that that's weird. I think it's wrong. 
I think our fears are out of order. And I'm telling you right now, people worry about stuff all the time and it never happens. In fact, University of Pennsylvania, that is a study on people that struggle with anxiety. And, you know, they, they studied them over a period of 30 days. So anxiety, what is that? Like this constant state of worry and concern. And these people have lots of fears and lots of worries. And at the end of the study, how much of it happened? How much of it came true? 91.4% of those things never even happened. Never happened. Okay, so yeah, roughly 10% did, but 90% of it never even happened. And I just stop and think about the quality of life for those people. Okay, so that's what happened, but think about it. What's the quality of life like for a person who worries excessively about so many things, most of which never even happen? I'm telling you right now, people are too worried. They struggle and, and you know what? Sometimes perception, it isn't reality. People just live like it is because apparently 90% of the things that you concern yourself with, they, they might not even happen. And how are you going to feel while you're just worried all the day through? You know, let me ask you a question. What spirit is manifesting itself in your life right now? Go on, seriously, just think about it for a minute. What spirit is manifesting itself in your life right now? What, what's, what's got you? What, are you? what are you really worried about right now? What are you so concerned about right now? What do you wake up thinking about? What's ruining your day? What's sucking the life out of joyful experiences? You know, for many people transitioning back into normal life, I'm telling you, they're, they're worried about a whole heap of things. I don't know, what's got you? Do you ever, do you ever walk into the shopping center and, and you see someone who looks a little bit sick and you, see, you just decide to walk a little bit around them, right? Or, or, or maybe you, you do like you hold your breath as you walk past them just so you don't get the germs, you know? Like, like honestly, what's got you? What's got you all bent out of shape? Craig Rochelle wrote a book called Winning the War in Your Mind. It says this, increasingly research proves that the way to get someone to believe a lie is to simply repeat the lie. Psychologists call this the illusory truth effect. It's been called a glitch in the human psyche. The more you hear a lie, the more likely you are to believe it. You just hear it over and over until you start to believe it, right? I'm telling you right now, the spirit you carry controls you. The spirit you carry controls you. Anybody that's controlled by a spirit of fear is going to live their life in a very specific way. People that are filled with the presence of God are going to live their life in a very specific way. Why do you think the devil, who is called the father of lies, constantly whispers fear into your life? Just constantly. Because if he repeats the same fear enough and enough and enough, guess what? It can start to control you. You, you. you must understand this. The enemy of your soul will use fear to control your life. He does it all the time. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy and he says, this thing, this spirit of fear that's operating in your life right now, you got to get rid of it, Tim, because it's ungodly. This is not the Spirit of God. This is a spirit of fear. You didn't receive a spirit of fear. You've got the Spirit of God. He says, this is ungodly. Listen to what the Scriptures say about, about God. Isaiah 9 verse 6, He's the Prince of Peace. How about this? Ephesians 2.14, Jesus is our peace. Now, for a little bit of context, they're talking about He is our peace with God, sure, through the Gospel, but let's just play that scenario out for just a moment. 
Because Jesus Christ has died on the cross for my sin, that means I don't need to be afraid of God. That means that I stand in the favour of God, that He loves me, that He's for me, that He's never against me. And if God is for me, what should I fear? See, it all works out in the end. Colossians 3.15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called, church, you are called by God to have the peace of Christ rule you. Do you have that right now? Do you have the peace of Christ ruling in your hearts? I want to read to you out of Romans chapter 12, verse 6 to 8. And I want to talk about grace gifts because I'm going to show you what happens to your grace when you're ruled by a spirit of fear. Chapter 12, verse 6 says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. All right, here we go. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. Now you might have the grace of prophecy on your life. What if you're wrong? What, what if what you say is wrong? What, what will people say about you? Probably just best to keep your mouth shut and never prophesy. You see that? Fear will shut down that grace. You might have the grace of prophecy. It's just never becoming a gift for anyone because you're ruled by fear and you're so worried about a bunch of other things, other people's perspectives. What will they say? If I start to prophesy, they might say something like, you don't have the gift of prophecy. And what would I do with that? See how, see how, how fear can start to rule and rule over your grace? What about this? If service and our serving, yeah, but what if I'm not good enough? What if I start to serve and then along the way we discover I'm not very good at the thing that I thought that I was supposed to do? Like I thought that was my grace, but somebody said something about it, right? It's probably just best not to serve. Okay, you've got a grace for serving. It's just not being a gift to anyone. About What about the one who teaches? Oh yeah, if you teach, what if you don't know everything? Well, let me tell you something right now. If you're waiting until you know 100% about everything before you teach, you'll never teach anyone anything. You've got the grace in your life for teaching. It's just not a gift to anyone because you're so afraid that you don't know anything or everything about it and it just shuts down that gift. All right, let's keep going. Exhortation to the one who exhorts. That's encouragement. Tell you what, it's hard to encourage other people when you're so full of fear yourself. If you've got a heart that's ruled by fear, you don't see the bright side of everything. You'll see the dark side of everything. Yeah, but have you considered how bad this could be? Like, how are you going to encourage everyone if all that's in your ear is whispers and lies and, and all you're being fed is discouragement? Come on, it's going to be hard to use that gift. What about the gift of leadership? What about that? Oh, actually, no, I've skipped one. Here we go. The, the one who contributes. They're talking about finances. So some people have the grace to give financially. And if your fear, you might have the grace to give financially, but if your fear is that you'll have less if you give it away, which you will, by the way, if you're ruled by that fear, you'll never be generous. You'll be stingy. And, and, and you know what? The whole time, it's because you're ruled by fear. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I can't be generous. I don't have enough, right? You've got the grace for it. You just don't have the faith for it. How about this? The one who leads with zeal, all right? What is a leader without some passion? What's a leader without some zeal? A little, a little bit of conviction, you know? Yeah, guess we could disciple people. It might work out, but I don't really know about that. What do you guys think? 
You reckon we should really give our lives to this? I don't know, guys. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if you want to, it does say that we should. Yeah, all right, all right. Come on, everyone, let's do it. You kidding me right now? Don't follow that leader. It goes on to say, what about the one who has acts of mercy? What's that? Feeding the hungry, caring for the sick. It says with cheerfulness. Yeah, but what if you're ruled by fear? Maybe you've got a grace to care for the sick. Oh, but hang on, wait a minute. What if you catch their sickness? What if you were going to get what they've got? You know what? If you're so worried about catching something, right, probably just best to barricade yourself in, stay at home, hold your breath in the shopping center, you know, all of this stuff, never take your mask off. Look, you see the point that I'm making. If you're ruled by fear, it's going to ruin your grace. And you might have to grace to do a whole bunch of things, but it's never going to become a gift until you actually use it. So what do you do with your feelings? Because you got them. What do you do with your feelings? Well, here's a hot tip. Don't go and look for other people that have the same feelings as you. Because you know what? I've discovered something. Birds of a feather flock together. It's true. People that feel the same way about anything will find each other and they'll, and they'll find comfort in someone who shares the exact same perspective and opinion. Now, sometimes it's nice to gather together with people that believe the same things. Sure. But if you're all ruled by fear and you just find other people that's ruled by fear, don't expect to be encouraged at the end of that meeting because all you're going to hear is the echo chamber, which is your voice. Now, coming out of their mouths which is just feeding back to you and reinforcing everything that you're afraid about guess what i've discovered you can actually catch a spirit of fear do you know it spreads in a group i'll give you two stories about this one out of the old testament one out of the new testament in the Old Testament, there's a story about 12 spies that are sent to spy out the promised land and God was going to lead Israel into it. Now, He was going to go to work on their behalf. He was going to fight for them. But they spy out the land for 40 days. They come back. The overall report is, yes, the land is exceedingly good. Look, we brought back some of the fruit. It's amazing. But guess what, guys? There are really big people in there, right? Re- I mean, really big people. And uh, You know, what would happen if we were to fight against them? Honestly, we could never win. We will we will never win right so that was the dominant report that came back now there's a couple of guys that said nah that's not true don't believe it but 10 of them are saying nah there's no way we can win well guess what that spread through Israel now all of them are saying nah we can't win right I totally had a spirit of faith replaced by a spirit of fear here's the most outrageous thing of it all they've already been led through the desert they've already they've already come through the Red Sea I mean God literally parted the Red Sea they've seen what he can do but the spirit of fear was so great in that group of people that they totally forgot their faith. They forgot what was possible. They forgot what God could do. And as a result, what happened? They were delayed by 40 years as punishment for not having the faith to believe that God could lead them into the next season. Isn't that crazy? I'll give you a new story, uh, a testament, uh, a story out of the New Testament. Here's Peter, understands the gospel and the need to reach the Gentiles who are just basically everyone that's not Jewish. And so, yep, we've got to reach him. So there's obviously a time where they're having a meal together. Peter is sitting with, you know, the Gentiles because, you know, traditionally those two people groups were very separate. Yeah, the Jews and the Gentiles, very separate, okay? But Peter understands now in the wake of the cross and the gospel, he's like, no, 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 look, God wants to save everyone. So come on, let's get everyone together. He's sitting having a meal. And along come, and I'll admit that this is intimidating, just the name, right? the circumcision party, right? Now, of course, there is a little element of fear when you hear, what do they do? 
like, like when you name your group, you could, I, I, I kind of feel like you'd name the group what you're known for, right? So, you know, you've got basketball teams, right? And you've got the circumcision party. What are they? Anyway, the point is, I, I understand why there's maybe a little bit of fear, but that wouldn't have been something that Peter had to worry about. My, meanwhile, the party, the circumcision party rocks up. What does he do? He goes, no, 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 we can't. I, I, I can't spend any more time with the Gentiles. He moves away. What's happening? He's got a spirit of fear. What did the Israelites have in the, in the desert? Fear of death. And, and, and they spread, which is why Paul, the apostle, opposed Peter to his face and he said, you, stop it. He said, because if you act hypocritically like this, it's going to spread. Other people are going to see you. Come on, Peter. You're meant to be leading this thing. Other people will see the way that you behave. And you know what? They will create separation between the groups of people, those that are Jews and those that are not Jews, right? You, you, you can't do that. You can't be worried about their perspectives, Peter. You can't be worried about their opinions, Peter. You've got to start to live out of your convictions. You do understand the points that I'm making. I'm sure it's not lost on you. The Apostle Paul said, what do you say to Timothy? Remember again, God gave us not a spirit of fear, but what was it? A spirit of power. Not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. Let me ask you a question. What's the spirit you're carrying? Come on. What's the spirit that you're picking up right now? It's pretty easy. Just watch the news. Just read the newspaper. Just go on social media. What is the spirit that you're picking up and you're carrying? You got a spirit of fear? Or are you carrying a spirit of power? Because I know which one God gave you and I know which one the devil whispers into your ears. Here's something that's very important for you to know. One spirit can replace the other. You, if you read, go back through the stories that I just shared, they had a spirit of faith. It was just replaced by a spirit of fear. So one spirit can replace the other. But guess what? That works both ways. So the spirit of power can replace the spirit of fear. And why does that matter? Well, I'll tell you why. Because you get to choose your influence. You get to choose which spirit you listen to. You get to choose which one dominates your life. And I was thinking like, because I want to be helpful today. Okay, so I was thinking like, what would I tell people to help them if they were struggling with this? And I thought, if I was going to tell you anything, honestly, I really mean this, this would have to be the silver bullet for your fears. Holy Spirit baptism. Seriously, I thought through it. What would I tell people? What do they really need? Holy Spirit baptism. Now in the, we're going to do baptisms next week. I look forward to it. But let me teach you something about it right now. In the Greek language, they didn't have a word when a ship had sunk. So we would say, it has sunk. They don't have that word. So you know what word they would use? They would say, oh, the ship has been baptized. What does that mean? It sounds weird to us, right? But the ship has been baptized. What does that mean? Oh, well, firstly, the water was on the outside of the ship and now it has moved to the inside of the ship. Why does that matter? Well, th you think about this. The Holy Spirit is on the earth right now. He's never left. He's not going anywhere. He walks with us every day. And the Spirit of power, He's on the outside. You know what you got to do? You just got to get Him on the inside. That's what Spirit baptism is all about. He's there. He's not going anywhere, but you just need the spirit that was on the outside to move to the inside. And when that thing begins to happen, you watch what happens to your fears because one fear or one spirit will replace the other. 
So let me be practical and going to tell you two things you can do. And, and this is helpful. The first thing you want to do in preparation for this is you got to renew your mind. You got to renew your mind. So what does the scripture say? Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world. Boy, is it easy to be conformed to this world. Watch enough news feeds, watch the news enough, read the papers enough, right? Find other people that just have your perspective, right? Eventually, right, it's going to be really easy to be conformed to this world, right? And it says, don't do that. It says, be transformed. We're going to go through a transformational process. How? By the renewal of your mind, not the removal of your mind. Okay, so what's, what's not going to happen is you're not going to forget what you know. Let me say it more clearly. You're not going to forget that you were once afraid. Okay, but the Greek word, it actually means to, like to renovate, to build out of the existing material, to build something new and something better. You've got a whole heap of thoughts in your mind. You're going to reconstruct those in alignment with the Word of God. And what's going to happen is you're not going to forget what you knew, but you're going to feel different about it. You're going to feel different about it. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We hear the, wor- the world all the time. It, it just comes through everything every media stream, everything that we've got. We hear the world all the time, which is why what you really need to do is to fully immerse yourself in the Word. You get the world all the time. You need to immerse yourself in the Word of God, the Scriptures, what the Bible says, and you need to get into some worship. I can't tell you how how important those two things are. You need a Word life, you need some worship life. Because if you get that, let me tell you this right now. If you get a Word worship life, and you are disciplined enough and you do this for the next 30 days, I guarantee you'll feel different at the end of it. I promise you, you will. Because you're just immersing yourself in the, in the truth of God, in the, in the Word of God, right? L- listen, you can't wake up every morning, start your day with Instagram and Facebook, check out the news, not read your scriptures ever and think that you're just going to catch everything that the Spirit has for you. No, no, no. You're immersing yourself in the world, right? Now, I'm not saying, don't, don't, I'm not saying be afraid of it or run from it. I'm just saying, you know what? You've got to get the balance right. You can't spend 2% of your time in, in God's presence and expect that, you know what? Everything else is going to be fine when you've spent 98% of your time worried about everything that the world has told you. So if you get a word worship life and you stay committed to it, I'm saying reading the scriptures every day, put on some worship music, have your own praise fest, I do. It's fantastic. Not for anyone else in my house, just for me, right? It's not good for anyone, actually, even our neighbours, but just for me. But it works for me, okay? And you get a word worship life, I guarantee at the end of that, you'll feel different. What's the first thing you got to do? you got to renew your mind. What's the second thing you got to do? Well, you got to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Now, the word worship life will prepare you to have that encounter. That's why it's so important. I want to read a scripture to you just to unpack something so that you understand it. Acts 4, 29 to 31 says, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. See, the the apostles are being intimidated. They were told, you cannot preach Jesus. You cannot share the gospel. If you do, we're going to drag you off to prison. Like It's going to get bad for you, right? So they pray in the middle of all those pressures that are coming against them. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Now look at this verse 30. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are being performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. 
You know how that's happening, right? Ministry, grace, calling, gifts are being imparted. That's what's happening there. When He says that while you stretch out your hand to heal, it's coming through the apostles. See, they couldn't, they may have the grace for healing. It's just not a gift to anyone unless they get out, face down the opposition and say, it doesn't matter, we're moving forward. We're taking territory for the kingdom. I am gonna pray for people. We will see people healed. There will be signs, there will be wonders. We're gonna do it in spite of this, right? He says in verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place with which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all, pay attention, filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word with boldness. Now they'd already been baptized in the Spirit. You go back to Acts chapter two, this is Acts chapter four. So let's go back, Acts chapter two. You see it right there. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. What happened? They spoke in tongues. So what's happening here? Is this a second Pentecost? Did he leave? And they're like, we've got to get you back. It's getting hairy down here. So come on, come back. No, 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 no. He never left. What we see happening here is a fresh outpouring. What we see here is a very tangible awareness of the presence of God. And it does something to you. That's what I'm saying. It does something to you. That's why you've got to have the Word and the worship life. It's not just about the, the rigid discipline. It's, it's, it's preparation for encounter. And they had an encounter with God right here. If fear is ruling your life, you need to be immersed. You need immersion in the spirit of power so that you get rid of that spirit of fear. So it doesn't rule your life. Because while that is the dominant voice in your ear, while that's the dominant thing that's happening in your, in your mind, it doesn't just affect your, your calling and your ministry, it affects your life. And I wonder about the quality of life for a person who's ruled by fear. Paul said to Timothy, you don't have to have that. I get it. It's there. It's present. We're not removing your mind. You're never going to forget about it, but you don't have to have it. You've been given by God a spirit of power. And church, listen to me. We need to have a spirit of power that's at work in us. We need that immersion in the presence of God. He's called you. He's gifted you. He's graced you. But it only becomes a gift to other people when you start to use it. And to do that, some of us, we're going to have to get past our fears. Some of us, we're going to have to get past the worries, past the concerns, all those things to just move forward and take ground for the kingdom. What I want to do today right now is pray for anyone this morning who just says, you got me. I am worried. I am concerned. I am full of fear. I hold my breath in the shopping centers. I walk around people that look like they might have something that I don't want to care. I, I'm, I think about it all the time. It dominates my thoughts. I'm constantly worried about these things, right? Let me, let me pray for you. Because I think that what God wants to do right now is have an encounter with you and to see you set free from these things that could dominate your life. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for everybody right now that admits that they have fear in their life. It's ungodly. You didn't give us a spirit of fear. We're not meant to be ruled by a spirit of fear, but there is a spirit of power that works through us. It's not us, it's, it's you working through us. And I pray God for every lie of the enemy right now that's trying to destroy people's lives, take away their happiness, steal moments of joy. In Jesus' name, I pray that they would be released from that fear in Jesus' name.
and that that your spirit, that spirit of power would come right now and begin to fill them fresh. If this is for you right now, maybe you just want to open up your hands a little bit like you're going to receive something. I pray God for every single person who needs that alleviation from that spirit that's been dominating their thought life and and putting fear into them right now in Jesus' name. I pray they have an encounter with your presence. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you move fresh in their life. Let there be a fresh outpouring. I pray, God, move in their lives. Set them free. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.